Hello and welcome to Groovecast, the podcast for the rhythm section with me Ashley Walker and me Charlie Smith. And uh, today you may notice, if you're watching this on YouTube, something a little bit different uh, about the setup here. It's not quite as we usually do it, is it? Indeed. What we've been wanting to do for probably a year now and doing a, an episode in the room together. Yeah, actually sat next to each other. Um, and the reason uh, being that we're doing that is uh, because we've just been to see the legendary Marcus Miller at uh, Ronnie Scott's. That we have. Yeah, so um, we thought... It's pretty apt that we should do an episode all about Ronnie Scott's. Yeah, and some of our uh, favourite gigs that we've been to down there over the last couple of years. Yeah, um, but I mean, kind of the best place I think to start off is kind of talking about last night really, watching Marcus Miller, old Marcus there. Yeah, um, he was alright, wasn't he? Yeah, it wasn't too bad, and uh, with a fantastic band as well. Um yeah, fantastic drummer. Keys, uh, I think the lineup was sax, trumpet, keys, uh, drums, and uh, Marcus, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, and yeah, it was just musical class. Yeah. Uh, really tight band. Uh, Anwar Marshall on, on drums, who was just something else mm-hmm. to, to watch. So controlled, so funky, but uh, yeah, really nice. And just the sound was. Uh, Oh yeah, it was, uh, yeah. It was think, pretty cool. I think like that was one of the things we kept commenting on. I mean, every time as we're going to talk touch on in this video, you know, the all the times we've been to Ronnie's uh, with all these different people, like the sounds always absolutely fantastic. And last night was no exception. Yeah, it was. It was just, you know, in the room, you could feel every note, which is what I like about that sort of small venue. Mm. You know, that you always can. You know, you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. And um, yeah, sort of in some of, so many of those tunes, Marcus is like playing the melody with the sax or the trumpet, and um, quite a lot of the time when he's doing that, although he does sometimes drop down and play the lower notes, the keys are doing the sort of bass notes, and mm. it, the boom of it. We were saying it was, and the kick drum, it was so like boomy, but it wasn't overpowering. It was just perfectly balanced, but amazing yeah, sound. Just, just a great sound, and and. The, the band, you could tell they'd been playing together yeah. probably for a whole tour now and they were really tight and really um, dynamic. Mm. You know, the the you could imagine that the balance on stage was exactly what we were hearing out the front. Yeah, and they had a fantastic um, like roadie at the side of the stage there that was just on hand all the time. You could see him motioning to him like something wasn't quite right and he was just straight on it. That's it. And just, yeah, just great, great band, great crew. And you know they they had it together. Yeah. And of course, Marcus Miller wasn't only playing the bass, was he? Yeah. What was that? Was, was it a bass clarinet? Yeah, like a bass clarinet, which he did. Um, one of those he did like a hymn on it, which was absolutely gorgeous. You sort of think, oh, is he? Could he play one of his other tunes or something? But it was absolutely like the balance of that piece um, with the rest of the set was absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Um, just him and the keys player, wasn't it, for most of it? And you could just, it, the, the room just went quiet. Yeah. You could hear every single note and breath. It was yeah. Really, really great. Yeah, it was excellent. And then, of course, he went, uh, he played one of his tunes off his uh, last album. And um, and then straight after that went into uh, Detroit and uh, the room just went up when he got to that solo. Yeah. It was just something else. And then the last tune as well was just great, where they were just throwing solos around the band. And, yeah. Um, the bass and drum 
duet, if you like. Yeah. It was uh, it was really special, and it was great to hear a drummer playing melodically as well. Yeah. And mimicking and uh, sort of pulling off of what Marcus was doing in yeah. his little uh, four-bar trades. Yeah, and at one point he went into Teen Town, didn't he? He did his like, little slap version of uh, Teen Town. That's the one. Which was incredible, but... Yeah, like you said, with the drummer, I mean, the whole band were just incredible, but uh, Amwar on uh, drums, he was just, for the majority of the gig, just laying it down, wasn't he? And, and he sort of would catch on to things, but he was just sitting in the pocket, as we like to say. Yeah, in the pocket. And, uh, laying it down, and then it, when it got to his chance to do a solo, gosh, he just ripped into it. Didn't yeah, he? it was. It was just really great player, and super dynamic as well. Yeah. You know, everything, when he was whether he was playing full out and heavy or as light as possible you could hear every note there was everything was very thought out yeah you know where it was it wasn't although it was probably improvised it was he was thinking and listening and yeah you knew he you knew he was putting a lot of thought into what he was playing yeah yeah absolutely incredible and groovy funky uh, and just awesome musicianship all around that's the one but um, so that was sort of our last trip to Ronnie Scott's, and we were sort of going to go back to maybe our first trips there. I wonder what you, if you can remember your first. Uh... Yeah, I can. Um, the first time I ever went down there was when I was living in London, funnily enough. Um, and the first gig I saw there was uh, Steve Smith's Groove Blue, which was Steve Smith, uh, Vinnie Valentino on guitar, and uh, Tony Monaco on Hammond organ. And it was just an organ trio. And that was the first gig I ever saw in the, in there, and it was just, uh, just really, really great. Mm. And I, I think I might have been down and seen a late show before that, because um, a couple of my lecturers at the time were playing down there now and again, um, with a trio, uh, Dave Preston and Kevin Glasgow, and they would. I think I saw them once, but the first proper. So a name player I saw in there was was Steve Smith, and mm. that was a great gig. And yeah, it was just again another great trio doing doing a good a good set of of, of tunes. You mm. know, mostly originals, and I think there was maybe one vocal number in there. But it was just yeah, as much as I remember, it was a while ago now, but it was a really great gig. Yeah, I think you're a bit more of a Ronnie's connoisseur, aren't you? Seen as you well, uh... I've 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 frequented it quite a lot, mm. but you know it it depends what you're seeing. I mean, I spent lots of time in the upstairs bar um, over the years doing the popping along to the jam sessions or to see um, things like Andy Davies' Horn Culture um, mm. when he was doing that, and just different guys who've been playing in the smaller room as well as as downstairs. Um, so. But yeah, it was just when you lived in when I lived in London, it was one of those things I would do every week if I could. Yeah, is try and pop down one night and um, soak up a bit of music. Yeah, yeah, I think it's for a lot of people, or certainly for my family or me and my dad, it's one of those places where, and I think we may have even mentioned it in a, a previous video when we were talking about uh, like best live gigs we've been to, um, and uh, yeah, it's one of those places where when we're home and not working we just see what's on at Ronnie's and if there's anybody good on and even if there's not like you've you were saying uh when we were queuing up outside yesterday it's like even people you've not heard of you just you're still worth going to see because like last night half of uh well all of 
Marcus Miller's band were people I'd never heard of, mm. and yet they're all just equally brilliant as anybody you have. Like, well, that's it, and you just get. It's a great place to discover what's kind of up and coming in the in the jazz scene, yeah. at least of you know who's who's on on the scene and who's really great, mm. and and that's what I really like it for. But yeah, the first proper gig I think was for me was Steve Smith. What about you? Yeah, the first one for me was that I can remember. I think was uh, Chick Corea's um, acoustic band, and it was him, uh, Chick Corea on piano. Uh, John Patitucci on upright bass and Dave Weckl on drums um, and we went my dad and I went with our mutual friend Ashley Squires um, to watch him and that was just like an, an eye-opening experience like when we left we were kind of speechless for most of the tube ride back to the car it was just absolutely incredible and three just so down-to-earth guys even though you just like we, again, we were saying yesterday about you hold these musicians on pedestals because they can do things that you can only dream of. But when you get to talk to them, and at Ronnie's, the beauty of the venue of how small it is, nine times out of ten you do get to speak to them, and they're mm. just normal guys, and uh, they were no exception. And uh, yeah, Chick Career and Dave Weckl and Patitucci were just walking around after the gig, and. Uh, I think Dave Weckl went to go and use the toilet and as he was coming out, somebody just patted him on the back and said, oh, nice playing. He's like, oh, cheers, thanks very much. <laughs> um, and the, one of the highlights of it all, because Patatooch is just my idol, was that we um, I clocked during the gig because uh, I followed uh, Patatooch, still do, on Instagram. And I'd seen that his, he was bringing his family to all the gigs. And I clocked that at the bar at Ronnie's. His wife and daughter were at the bar. I said to my dad, "Oh, that's his. I wonder if he'll go over at the end to them." And when they finished playing, he literally put the bass down and walked over. So of course he gets flocked, like people coming round and getting photos. And I was a bit, "Oh no, let's just go, Dad." So he sort of got me over to him. And uh, when I went to speak to him, he asked my name and everything, how old I was. And when I said my name was Ashley Walker, he said, um, "Oh, don't uh, you follow me on Instagram? Don't you? You comment sometimes." <laughs> and I just. I just couldn't believe it, and uh, and I I think I, I just managed to get out. Um, You're the reason I play bass, <laughs> and he was so humbled by that. He was like, because you know he has his heroes and stuff, and he he's just such a normal, humble guy. Um, but managed to get a picture taken, which I think maybe when we um, put this video up, we can put some of our Ronnie's uh, a few memories. I think yeah, we'll go up a few with highlights. It. But that was my first experience at Ronnie's, and. Gosh, it's still one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Yeah, it's that'll definitely be up there in the uh, <laughs> in the rankings, I'd bet. And uh, yeah, and also just so grateful to be able to have seen Chick Corea. Mm. You know, now sadly he's passed away, but God, what a player he was. Definitely. And, uh, and that, and uh, for me, though, those three guys. Well, maybe that'll be. A, have we done uh, bass and drum combos? <laughs> if we have, have we? Um, but for me, like that trio there is one of the best you know coming together of of, uh, of musicians unbelievable yeah speaking of best coming together of musicians <laughs> brings Slick. me nicely onto my uh <laughs> another gig that i saw there which was a, a particular favorite have a little swig of your bro like the way um and that was uh, the steve gad band mm. a couple of years ago and again just one of those all-time setups that you really needed to see and mm. uh, 
Steve Gadd on, on kit, Jimmy Johnson on bass, uh, Kevin Hayes on uh, piano, Walt Fowler on trumpet, and uh, David Spinoza on guitar, mm. and just doing all the stuff from the uh, what was then the the new album, and just just so good. Everything was so. You know, there wasn't a lot of notes. It was just everything was really well placed. And yeah, that's what I really like about that kind of style. Is just everything's so open and has so much space. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a, a great band. And again, got chatting to uh, to Gad after the gig because I'd met him a, a couple of times before that, and um, and it was you know cool to, to stand and uh, have a chat and photo at uh, at the door as you do. Yeah, and. Um, Funnily enough, talking about the um, oh the Ten CC album he'd worked on years later, I think it was Windows in the Jungle or something that him and Simon Phillips had done together, and <laughs> it was it's kind of interesting hearing a few stories from uh, from the studio. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's just again just a normal guy, happy mm. to have a chat, and uh, uh, the best one I think was Jimmy Johnson. I know a bass player friend I went with just. At the end of the gig, Jimmy Johnson was just at the bar having a drink and having a chat with whoever was passing. So yeah. while Gad was getting a lot of the attention, <laughs> Jimmy Johnson was just slipping out of the way and uh, chatting to those who who, uh, who really cared. So it was was kind of nice to, to to see that, you know. And yeah, just another another really great gig. And I think, like you said, because um, one of the uh, like music debates we were having on the way home was uh, about these players, like your Marcus Millers and. Could they do what these other guys have done, like Lee Sklar? And um, and Steve Gadd's one of those perfect examples of someone who does do like chalk and cheese stuff with... He does the James Taylor stuff where he can just sit and hold it together and play perfectly appropriately for the song. And when he worked with Eric Clapton. And then, like you said, he's still, when he does his own band, he's still simplistic enough to let other people... He doesn't get in the way. And... Yeah, he just keeps... Keeps himself out of the out of the the limelight quite a lot of the time, which is interesting, especially when your name's on the band. Yeah, that you're the one who's sitting at the back and just holding it all together and put a bit of flash in now and again to just to keep the crowd happy. But for the most part, just sit and play the groove. Yeah, and what a combo him and uh, Jimmy Johnson are. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't uh, I've not as experienced in his band as I know you are, but uh, I love his stuff. Uh, the stuff together with James Taylor and two guys who just know how to hold it hold it together and but when they when they they are called upon to take a sale or whatever <laughs> they can just uh, do whatever they want really That's it. a great memory of that gig was um, the set up the band I know we we commented on on that last night of how different acts we've seen have set up differently on the stage and and the way that the that uh, Gad had it set up where he was dead centre at the back mm. and Jimmy Johnson was just lean, leaning against the wall next to him yeah. really tight into the to mm. where Gad's hi-hat was and just you could just see the two of them were really even though they you know monitoring and all that but they were so listening to each other yeah um, and communicating as someone like Marcus was last night with, with his band communication on was, was, was a huge part of of getting the music yeah i think and for anybody who hasn't um who doesn't know about ronnie scott's jazz club in london i think it's worth going after this video 
or this, uh, or as you're listening, if you're on Spotify or one of those other things, go uh, on Google and check out what uh, what the setup is because, as we've sort of said, it's such a small venue, um, and it, you don't really appreciate the size of the stage and everything till you're there. But you can get a good idea of when we're talking about these bands, and although I, I know coming up, we've got some uh, stories of bigger bands that played there, but it's I, I think every time I've been there it's always been a different setup like the drums have never been in the same place mm. and same for the like the piano I think twice when Chick Corea played it it was the same uh, as another gig I went to recently which we'll touch on um, but yeah it's just such a unique venue and like you said it's one of the you, you see these guys Steve Gadd and Jimmy Johnson play in massive stadiums one week or you know on James a James Taylor tour or Eric Clapton thing or these guys and then uh, next minute, like you said, just basically shoulder to shoulder in Ronnie's. Yeah. But it's just weird. And as a player, you appreciate it because you tend to prefer the intimate gigs because mm-hmm. you get a better feel and a better atmosphere. And yeah. something that I always love about Ronnie's is the atmosphere. Mm. You know, it's always got a bustle to it, even. But everyone respects the the music. There's no, yeah. no chitter chatter or. Yeah. You know, not too much taking of photographs or anything. Everyone is on good behaviour and just yeah. No, but you never see anybody videoing the performance as it's going on. You might see the odd photo, although that's not strictly allowed. But yeah, like you said, everybody's there just to enjoy the atmosphere and soak it up. That's the one. And uh, speaking of great atmospheres, <laughs> Ronnie's, uh, I'll move on. Slick transition. Indeed. Uh, to my second uh, visit to Ronnie's, which I think was the same year as Chick Corea, uh, and that was to see the Victor Wooten uh, trio. Uh, I think it was about October of 2018. And, um, gosh, that was another totally different, but, again, just on another planet musically. And Victor Wooten, in a lot of ways, is on another planet. Um, but it was him, uh, Dennis Chambers, on drums, who... It was he got almost the biggest applause of every everybody when Victor Wooten introduced uh, his trio, and uh, he said Dennis Chambers, and then he introduced him like twice because everybody was still clapping, and um, yeah, it was uh, Dennis Chambers, Victor Wooten playing bass, and then uh, Bob uh, Francesini, I think, uh, on sax, um, and what a trio they were! It's kind of you think a bit of an odd combination: drums, bass, and sax. But with all the sort of pedals and loops and everything that Victor's got going on, it never sounds empty. Um, and he just had the audience eating out the palm of his hand, the whole thing. Just such a cool character. Yeah, I bet. Um, and you know, like we were saying uh, last night on the way to Ronnie's, uh, it's like for Victor Wooten or Marcus Miller, it's kind of you know that. 95, 99% of the audience are going to be bass players. Mm. And for Victor Wooten, you could see which ones were because when he would do a solo, you could just see him like almost trying to mime along, or um, which he just can't because he's just unbelievable. Um, but yeah, what a gig that was. And again, he came out afterwards and um, was signing things. And I think he might have had a little uh, something before he came out because... Uh, by the time I got to see him, I'm not sure he knew I was having a photo taken with him. Um, but uh, I think one guy, the guy before me, was trying to talk him into coming to look at his upright bass shop. And he was like, yeah, man, just tell me the day, man. Uh, and uh, I think one of the things he did as well on that same trip, he went to visit uh, the bass gallery in Camden, which just goes to show what a down-to-earth guy he is. Mm. Just, he was just going all over the place, tubing it to these uh, to these places and 
but um yeah what a gr that was just another incredible gig um and uh <laughs> yeah so yeah and another incredible atmosphere like you said well that's it and you know um we, as we were talking about setups and different artists have different requirements and the the one of the great band I saw there was uh, Simon Phillips and uh, Protocol mm -hmm. um and well, Simon Phillips's kit took up half of the stage. <laughs> it had its side on into the into the venue, and it it just just fitted. Um, and he again, great band. Ernest Tibbs was the bass player uh, with, with that setup, and it was I think it was the thirtieth anniversary tour of the of the band. And Otmaro um, Ruiz on keys, uh, Alex Skesney, uh, sorry, Alex Sill on guitar, Jacob Skesney on on sax, and. Doing some of the the newer tunes and then some old Simon Phillips stuff as well, which was really cool to hear. Mm. And yeah, again, just you always know going in there, you're going to see great musicians. You know, everyone who they have on is is great in their own right. Never mind when you get some of these these groups together and let them go at it, and it's just yeah, you get to see some uh, a bit of magic. Yeah, I think one of the things, funnily enough, uh, that my dad said the last time. Uh, we went to Ronnie's uh, before yesterday was as we were sat there and like the atmosphere and everything and he just said it's isn't it it's such a great feeling knowing and for us coming from uh, Skegness and traveling down and you just you've got a great feeling all day knowing you're going to go see something that you just know is going to be excellent yeah um then yeah it's never disappointed and all these things that I've been to have been like slightly different and some have been more groove based or some have been like just pure musicianship just uh with like chick career and victor wooten and but um yeah like you say it's, you know it's always going to be excellent but i know you've been to see some like different things at ronnie's yeah. which just goes to show how much it's, it has to offer it's it's, di it's a diverse place you know um i saw the last gig i saw there actually before last night was alex horn and the horn section yeah so you know musical comedy really rather than uh jazz but equally you know, a great band, a great setup, and Alex Horn, of course, who you may know from Taskmaster and mm. doing the eight, eight out of ten cats does countdown stuff over here on British television. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, he, he, the way that he puts a show together, and that again, it was I think some anniversary tour for them, and yeah, it was it was a different vibe. It was because where you would usually be very quiet and very respectable of the music they were one you know it, you were there to have a laugh it was comedy it was there to be you know they were mocking each other and doing all the all the stick and all that but it was great and it was just equally a great show and great musicianship even though it was in a completely different context to someone like gad or victor Wooten or whoever yeah. you know it's 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 totally not what that is mm. but it's equally good to watch and 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 they did, they put a great show on, and um, that was, I think, the last night I went there. In fact, it was the last night I went there before I moved out of London. Because <laughs> um, I drove home the following day, as I remember. Yeah. But it was, it was, a, it was a really great gig, and it was just something completely sideways of anything else I'd seen in there before. And it was, it was just great, you know. And uh, for the... Uh, for the sake of doing it, I'll give you the rhythm section because it was uh, <laughs> Will Collier on bass and Ben Reynolds on drums. Who I had a good chat with Ben after the after the gig, and he was uh, 
really cool guy. We had <laughs> we had a good chat about symbols or something. <laughs> Some boring stuff while he was packing up. Yeah, but... it's it's funny because like with it being a comedy thing and like a bit rowdy and everything, but he still he always has like a great band. Yeah, his his band are, are, are superb and just you know who who. Some of the guys who play in this band also play for Robbie Williams and stuff on tour, and so it's like they're not, they're not just, you know, your job and players. They're, they're top line yeah. musicians who are quite willing to have the Mickey taken out of them and to do, mm. you know, to do all of that, which is which is really good to see as well. Because mm. Can't take it too seriously all of the time. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, and I know you went to see that sort of around. Uh, it's like in between the COVID lockdowns, wasn't it? Mm. And one of the things for me uh, that we had booked for ages and because of the whole COVID thing kept getting rescheduled. Uh, I know we talked about it previously on the podcast, so I won't uh, go over it too much. Was uh, It was the Lawrence Cottle uh, band doing the uh, portrait of Jacko Pistorius, mm. which we had booked for ages and kept getting postponed and postponed. And eventually we got to see it about a year ago now. Um, and again, incredible. And that was the first time at Ronnie's where I'd sat at the very front in the sort of, um, I'm not sure what you call it, but you know, that sort of better view seating. And I could literally reach out and touch Lawrence Cottle's base. Um, and obviously we've been able to meet Lawrence a, a few times. So, and my dad had his number. So we texted him to say we were coming and then, uh, <laughs> which the funny thing, cause he's just God for <laughs> like me. Um, and uh, but when we got there, he was set, still setting up and everything, and uh, he he came and had a work had a chat with us, and he was oh you're not sitting here are you like oh, a bass player you're gonna hear every note I'm gonna play, and um, but, oh my gosh just absolutely incredible and for anyone who obviously you know uh, Jacko when he passed away and everything I think it was bit similar like Maynard Ferguson for trumpet players it's like you feel bad for not having seen them mm. um, but if you didn't get a chance to see Jacko like I didn't I think Lawrence Cottle is if the next best thing if not just as good because he just plays it perfectly and uh, just exactly like Jacko um, possibly even a bit more musical because <laughs> he was a bit more uh, could be a bit crazy but and the band as well he had a really young band um as well uh and was just incredible great keys player um i think it was uh sax to uh, two saxes um bass and drums and um gosh it was yeah absolutely incredible um and so that was like yeah again one of the best gigs i've been to but such a that i think that was our first gig back after covid and everything until uh we went to see uh Genesis, which I think we may have touched on, and I think I think we might have done. So, uh, but yeah, what a gig to come back to. Yeah, that's not not a bad way at the start. No, and yeah, I think I saw two shows during that kind of mid lockdown, you know, easing of restrictions bit, and one of them being the horn section. The other was um, a singer called Cassidy Jansen, who's a uh, actress and West End mm. star, but um, does uh, a great. Uh, you know, songwriter and, and had a couple, uh, an album out and stuff, and and she was really good, and it was great because I had some friends in the band with that one, so it was, um, you know, the 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 band setup on that was basically half of the band who played on the Carol King musical in mm. London when she'd been doing that, so it was um, 
Neil Wilkinson on drums, who's uh, I've known for a few years, and he's uh, become a bit of a friend and really, really great player and just one of the best in London, mm. you know, um, if not in the world. Just such a a tasty player, you know, just knows, again, in the sort of similar vein as people like Gad and, and that, just knowing what not to play and how to keep it really make it feel really good mm. and then uh, Steve Pierce on bass who's a, a bit of a force to be reckoned with <laughs> you know doing stuff outside of that with Hamish Stewart and all sorts of uh, other bits and pieces and then Adam Dennis on keyboards who's from Middlesbrough <laughs> so we get the <laughs> Borough lad Borough lad in the band um, <laughs> and Adam was one of the first people I spoke to when I moved to London because um, he was a friend of the family and stuff so that was it was great to see him play there and then uh, Adam Goldsmith on guitar again just a, a really great player and yeah that band was just great it was just doing some songs off the album and then they did a couple of covers a couple of Carol King things and they did a great version of um, oh uh, Get Here the uh, uh, I think it's is it Alita Adams who did that I can't mm. but a great version of that song and just everything was musically perfect you know there was no no unnecessary notes or anything they just played it and made it feel really great yeah which is possibly the best way to do anything like that mm. and just let the singer shine and and yes yeah, so i was that was that was one of my favorite gigs to have seen there because it was just you know there was no frills on it and again even though she's maybe not so well known as a singer off the stage it was still sold out a packed house for what it, you know for mm. the I think they were at half capacity or whatever then because of the, the Covid thing but you know you still the atmosphere was great and it was great chatting to the guys before and after the gig and I know as I was I was sat having a drink before the show Steve Pierce just came and sat next to me and had a, <laughs> had a chat for five minutes and a bit of a catch up and you know how you're getting on and all of that so it was that was kind of cool and um just great to see them in their element doing doing a great a great show mm. i think that's the other thing with ronnie's is um like because uh, like you were just saying before we started recording you can see the lineup and everything of, of a lot of these bands so i think like even when it it might not be an artist the actual artist that's well known if sometimes people just go and see who's playing in the band and like you said with uh, the musicians you just named there from london um, there'll be people from London who follow them and just go and see them yeah. and then end up leaving loving the artists as well. Well, that's it. You get a bit of a new experience with that, even if you're not as familiar with the singer, but you know that the band's going to be great. Yeah. You, you know, you can you can have your, your eyes opened a little bit to, to something new. So that was kind of kind of great. Although, and since then, I've had Cassidy's albums being a fixture um, in my at home when I've been around the house and stuff. <laughs> Because it's just everything's great, and I think Ian Thomas played on a bit of that album as well, and a couple of other guys, you know, sort of uh, rotating musicians on different tracks, and so, you know, even the album sounded different to what they did on the gig, but equally nice and equally uh, thought out. Yeah, I think a lot of for a lot of these guys, you know, you hear um, like their stuff on the albums, and what I was saying to my dad on the way back yesterday, it's. Especially, I mean, I'm sure for a lot of them it's the same in in most of the venues, but especially at Ronnie's, 
for the things that I've been to see, there've never been a lot of songs or a lot of tunes because you end up every tune sort of over ten minutes or over certainly it was with Chick Corea, and so it's, they're just totally different arrangements and totally different versions. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, then you can switch on the actual album and uh, it's still excellent. It's just a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, but you can get away with that, like Ronnie's and like other jazz venues as well, and because everybody's just totally immersed in it the intimacy in there is is what makes it amazing because it doesn't matter whether you sat at the very front of the stage or at the back of the room you still feel like you're right in the action you know Mm. there's no screens there's no like you would have in an arena show it's all you know everything's just right in front of you yeah and it you know as the way that it's set out with the, the seating up the sides like church pews and then the the tables down at the front. It's it it always feels close wherever you sat. Yeah, there's no bad seats at all. No, you can always see the stage from wherever you are in the venue, which is uh, is the beauty of it. Um, but yeah, moving on to sort of my uh, sort of my last excursion to Ronnie's before uh, old Marcus there was um, to see one of my dad's heroes, the great uh, Arturo Sandoval, uh, the trumpet player. Um, and again, we were sat right at the front, um, like we were with Lawrence, but a totally different thing because whereas before we had Lawrence's bass cab pointing at our heads, this time we had Arturo's trumpet pointing at our heads. And uh, I think I said to Dad before it started, maybe I should have brought some ear defenders because for anyone who knows Arturo Sandoval's stuff, and if you don't, you should definitely go and check it out. Um, he just plays... You're going to that's about as high a trumpet player as you're going to hear in terms of the notes and possibly other stuff, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but again, and it, Arturo, I think, is in his 70s now. Then he had just... A, he said at the start of the gig he um, he was playing with people his age and stuff and uh, he eventually sort of realised, like, oh, it's kind of dragging, man, and so brought in all these young guys. Um, I think it, uh, Will Brahms on uh, guitar he had, who was absolutely just incredible and back to that thing of people you haven't really heard of although my dad did know of him and uh it's just they they're just as out of this world as you know um some of the people that are getting uh noticed and everything um but yeah he was incredible and that was again a different setup at ronnie's because he was sort of off the stage uh to the to your right if you're looking at the stage uh with his guitar and um because it was such a big setup, they had the the big piano, um, couple of keyboards. Because Arturo goes on keyboards a little bit during it. Um, he also had his little percussion rig that he goes on and like dances around. Um, and uh, I think uh, there was a sax player next to him, just in front of where I was sat. Uh, and then percussion, fairly big percussion rig, and a drummer at the back. So it was all really packed in, but the sound was absolutely incredible and um what a gig that was and at the end of it um it's sort of not the same but a bit similarly to the uh, alex horn thing was um like with the atmosphere because uh, he wants people to react and everything and he got them singing did uh, the jazz standard bye bye blackbird and got everyone singing and made a big joke out of it and again like so relaxed on stage and on the mic and he was like singing along himself and then uh, at the end of it, he did a big samba, uh, big Cuban thing, because obviously he's, he's Cuban. 
and uh, he got everybody up dancing and we're all uh, <laughs> like it's a and it was I think it was an afternoon one of the uh, the second time we'd been to an afternoon show in there and um, so it's just like a random party like in the afternoon in there and then you walk out just like what was that all about but um oh my word and then uh, at the end of the gig he just went out and just was stood at the front just chatting to people and nobody sort of dared ask for a photo because he was like and not that he would have said no i'm sure he would have uh he would have just let anybody have a photo but everyone was just oh great gig that i like the one you did there and just such a down-to-earth guy and uh but what a gig that was and uh my dad i know was happy to go and see one of his oh, heroes yeah. but yeah it's 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 just the place where it's it's weird. It's it's one of those places where musicians go to see musicians. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting one, and you know, you quite often you'll see, oh, so and so was in the audience for that, or whoever was was around. You know. Yeah. Um, I think the classic example, on a slight slight side note, was I think last time Jeff Beck was playing there and did his week long residency, and Johnny Depp turned up just to sit and watch a couple of times yeah. and get up for a jam and have a play, and just, you know, that's the place to go. Yeah, it's always seems the place to be, and kind of an interesting point would be who haven't you seen there, who you would love to see there. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, funnily enough, that was one of the things I was saying as we were coming out of Ronnie's. The different perspective was, I think I've basically seen, basically, I keep making that joke. I've got a problem. Um, <laughs> called being a bass player. <laughs> um, yeah, I've kind of seen all my absolute idols and most of them there Patitucci, Marcus Miller, Victor Wooten um, I'd love to see somebody who I we got to see when uh, we went over to America a couple of years ago we got to see Nate Smith's band uh, Kinfolk at a, jet, a small jazz club in Denver um, and while we managed again it a bit similar to Ronnie's in that afterwards they just were milling about the bar his band and when we'd just been to see Wolfpack like the night before, so we were saying, "Oh, we got to see you at Red Rocks," and um, and he said, "We said, why don't you come to Ronnie Scott's?" And he said, "We're trying to get in there, but um, he said one, it's like with our schedule, and two, it's like it's booked up all the time." But I'd love if he came to uh, Ronnie's. I'd love to see him there. I mean, it's probably too small a venue, but someone like Corey Wrong, Corey Wong, not Corey Wrong. Uh, Corey Wright he is he's great, brilliant um, <laughs> yeah I'd love to see someone like Corey Wong with his band in that intimate atmosphere that would be incredible um, what about you? yeah it was so, I was I was thinking about um, of, of who would be really great to see and definitely I'd love to go and see Jeff Beck there mm. um, that would be a great gig and you know it would be great to see someone like Dave Weckl in there because I haven't seen Weckl yet so yeah. that's, that's on the bucket list yeah and he's got a great band himself hasn't he yeah he's got, he's got a really great band so it would be those guys would be would be great to see in there but even you know sort of non-drummers people like Larry Carlton does yeah. a great gig in there there you go yeah and that would be great to see I've, I heard a bit of it last time uh, once when I was there uh, stood outside waiting to go in for the, the late show of uh, whoever was on and um, and you just I think Larry set it over, ran a little bit, so you could just hear him playing his uh, his encore, and it was just, just even from outside of the room sounded great. Yeah, and and yeah, that was so. It would be good to see some of those kind of folks in there. It would be uh, it'd be really good. I think one of the uh, concerts that was on um, while I was away, I was hoping to go to, but it just didn't quite work up. Was work out was uh, Lee Rittner with um, 
Dave Grusin. Yeah. Um, that would have been a great one. I'd love to see someone like Herbie Hancock there. You yeah. Know? But again, I don't know if it's... I mean, that's the other thing. You think it's not a big enough venue in terms of size, but it is the type of place these guys would play because of how iconic it is. Yeah, it's like, you know, the two big... Some of the venues, like you said, the the, the arenas and stuff, or even just the, the theatres, you, you lose that atmosphere that you get in somewhere like Ronnie's where it's just... It's tight, it's a bit sweaty at times. Yeah. It's, but... You almost think you're better off doing a few nights there than one night at the Palladium or wherever. Yeah, and you can see everybody's faces as well, so you can yeah. see how people are reacting to it. Um, yeah. And it, it is just a better vibe mm. in, in somewhere like that, because you really can feel the audience, and you can, you can, you know... And from an audience point of view... You know, you f- you you feel like you're not listening to a band through the PA. You just feel like you're listening to the band. Yeah. You know, the microphones are kind of just secondary to it. It's everything's really live, mm. and you know, sort so of. You, you, when you look at it, you think, well, they're probably not relying on monitors or too much mm. because it's such a compact stage and everything that you can. You know, you you're not that far from each other anyway. It's not like being on a, a theatre stage where you've got twenty feet between the drummer and the bassist, and yeah, you know everything's spread out a bit more. It's it, it's nice that it's so so tight and everyone's really up close and and kind of personal. Yeah, yeah. What a iconic venue, and I think uh, that about brings us uh, to the end of uh, this episode of Groovecast. Mm, a little trip down memory lane. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure we'll get the photos and everything out for this one. A few highlights of, uh, <laughs> of of good times over the years, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm sure some uh, more trips down there in the future as Definitely. well. Definitely. But yeah, we hope you've in, uh, enjoyed this episode of Groovecast, and uh, we'll see you next time. We will. <laughs>